The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. That you've worshipped together with us this morning, and I'm glad to see our north side finally uh, filled in a little bit. I was going to, our south side was getting a, a little uh, off balance there, <clears throat> so I'm, pl- I'm proud to see you here. I'm going to make a statement, and then you're going to have to think about this and chew on it a little while. And we're going to talk about this today and next week. God is bigger than uh, any person's uh, uh, ability to imagine. And if you've confined God to some little thought in your mind, you've confined Him to uh, some convenience for you, or you've kind of uh, figured out where He's uh, uh, convenient in areas of your life, then you've kind of committed uh, idolatry now. You're thinking about God, and you're saying, well, that doesn't go together. We're going to talk about that <clears throat> to, uh, today and, and next week. If you would, turn to Romans chapter 16 this morning. And uh, we're, going to, we're going to talk about to God be the glory. Amen? Amen. To God be the glory. And, and we sang that song a while ago, and uh, we're going to look at some things in Romans chapter 16. And we're going to be down in verse 21. So Romans chapter 16, going down in verse 21, and, and I don't want you to answer this, but I want you to think about it. If we ask this question this morning, who wrote Romans? Uh, Romans is one of the greatest books in the, in the Bible and, and in the New Testament, certainly. Uh, you would think maybe Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, one of the four Gospels, because Jesus wrote those things, but really... Romans uh, is, is a great book because it reveals salvation, and that's what the whole book's about, and uh, if you're thinking Paul wrote Romans, you're, you're kind of wrong for at least a couple of different reasons, and uh, we're going to see that, and let's begin reading in verse 21 of Romans 16, and he says, Timothy, my fellow worker, <clears throat> excuse me, sends his greeting to you, as do Lucius, Jason, it's nice to run across a Jason every now and then, uh, sons of Fire, my fellow Jews. Of course, uh, we know who Timothy is, and uh, we know that, that Paul, Timothy was Paul's kind of spiritual protege. He later became the preacher at the church at Ephesus, and Paul wrote him a, a couple of letters about how to be a pastor. And uh, he, uh, we don't know anything about these three relatives that are here that uh, were with Paul. But uh, as we think about this, Paul says in verse 22, I, or we see here in verse 22, uh, I, Tertius, wrote this letter and uh, greeting you in the Lord. So what's happening here? This, this, this person that says, uh, Tertius, that he says, I've written these things down. So Paul didn't take pen in hand and, and, write, and, and write down the book of, of Romans. Instead, uh, he kind of dictated this book. And this uh, Tertius, he, he took it and he, he wrote, wrote it down. Well, I, you may be saying, well, why, why all these names? And I am saying, why all these names? That's why I said, man, it's good to run across a Jason every now and then when you have, uh, when you have all of these different names. But it's interesting to me, and as I was looking at this, I thought it would be interesting to you uh, by, by what these names mean. And this, this uh, Tertius was a slave, and we simply know that because of his name. 
And when I was looking at these names, you see Roman slaves, they had no names. They was referred to by numbers only. So in those, in those, uh, in those times, a, a Roman slave who was, who was number one in the household, today we would say number one, we would call that uh, number one, his name was Premius. So if you ever run across that and it says Premius was doing this, you just know he was number one slave in the house. The, the slave number two was called Secundus, and that was second. It sounds like second, doesn't it? So he was the second slave. Slave number two uh, was Secundus. Number three was Tertius, and that's, that was number three, and that's who we're, we're looking at here. And then slave number four was called Quartus, and we're going to see more about Quartus in just a moment. So uh, Paul's writing these things, and, uh, or he's dictating these things, and we see he's got some slaves traveling with him. He's got one, two, three, and four there traveling with him. So keep reading in verse 23. Gaius, whose hospitality and I, the whole church, enjoyed, sends you greetings. So there's no doubt that Apostle Paul, he, he stayed in the home of Gaius, and he's eight meals there, and he's thanking God for that opportunity he's had to go and to, to be in Gaius' house, and other peoples throughout the year has shown hospitality to God's people. And, and Paul's writing these things, or he's dictating these things, and, and over and over and over, I'm going to just say Paul wrote this when we really are going to see that's not the complete truth, but he's the one who's dictating these things. So then he talks about Iratus, uh, uh, and that's, that's on down a little bit later. He says, the director of the city public works. He was a prominent man in Corinth, uh, and he thanked God as today as we who have Christians are prominent in public service. And then he ends up there with another save, Quartus, also sends you greetings. So I think it's interesting there. We're, we're seeing Paul. He's describing some people. He's describing those who's traveling with him. And then he talks about this man who's the director of the city public works, and, and he's became a Christian, and he's a prominent man in Corinth, and, and uh, he, he's, he's got a prominent public place in service. So Paul points this out. And now some of you in your Bibles, the next word says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And, and some of yours don't. Don't say it right there. And if it doesn't say it right there, you can back up to the end of verse 24. And I just want to tell you what that means. Paul would dictate these things, and we know that he had some type of, of eye injury, and, and we know that he said that one time, the reason I make my letters so large, and, and it's kind of believed that he had some type of eye injury, he would sign these letters, and that's how he would sign them, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, and that kind of authenticated the writing. So when you see that, whether it comes at the end of verse 20 or, or wherever it falls in your text, if it falls there after 25, for uh, that's Paul kind of saying, okay, this is what I wanted to say, and, and someone else has written these things down, and, and I'm signing to, to authenticate these writings, and, and uh, so he says that. So as Paul comes to the end in this uh, last three verses, 25 through 27, he's going to tell us some things about God, and that's what we're going to talk about today, and I want you to consider answering this question one more time. Who wrote the book of Romans? Did Paul write it, or uh, the, he didn't write it? It. Did did uh, did Cordus write it? No, he didn't write it. Did did number three write it? No, he didn't write it. God wrote the book of Romans, 
And it's important for us to understand that. And when people take God's Word and they say, well, it was just written by men, there's got to be some errors there. Well, there may be some words or some things that are uh, in our English language have missed some, uh, some, some transitions from the original writing, but we need to understand that God wrote Romans and God wrote the Bible. And over in uh, Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All Scripture is God-breathed. In other words, it's the inspiration of God. God breathed out Scripture. And, and so through Paul... And we say Paul wrote Romans, well, he didn't actually write it, and he didn't actually come up with the ideal. So all he's doing is, is just transcribing. He's, he's actually saying, this is what God has said. This is what God's Spirit has told me. So God, who, was, who wrote the book of Romans, inspired Paul to write these things down. And, of course, Paul enlisted his third slave to say, hey, you're the, you're the writer, you're the keeper of records, and I want you to, to write these things down about God. And, and so God's inspired the words, and, and that's really important. If you're going to believe and you're going to understand the Bible, many times the New Testament says, the Lord said... Or maybe you go to the Old Testament and you, you find something that's quoted from Psalms and it says, the Lord said, and you say, well, David wrote the book of Psalms, so, so what is that? No, the Lord said that. David didn't write that. Or you may go to Isaiah and, and it says, quote something from Isaiah and it says, the Lord said. And, and we say, well, we find that in Isaiah. So Isaiah was saying this. No, all Scripture is God-breathed. It's been, it's been directed by the Spirit of God. So when we read God's Word, we need to understand it's kind of His autobiography. He, he has written the things Himself. The Bible is about God. It's about Jesus Christ revealing Himself, and that's God in human flesh. So when we read the Bible, we don't need to really concentrate and think about who wrote these things down or who, who was the, the penman on this or, or what was His thoughts or His, his ideals. God has written His autobiography, and He's given it to us. And He's saying, I want you to read, and I want you to learn about me, and I want you to understand who I am. So as Paul writes these things down through the direction of the Holy Spirit, or as he, as he gives these things, and as they're written down by His servant, this is what he says. This is about God, and this is what the Word says. Now to Him who is able to establish you by my gospel and by the proclamation of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all nations might believe and obey Him to the only wise God. And then here's the title of the message, To God be the glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Now we're going to take that passage of Scripture and we're going to look at it the next two weeks. And, and so when we read some of this stuff, you, you know, we're going to look today at to now Him who's able to establish you by my gospel, and, and then we're going to look next week at the, re, the, the revelation of the mystery that's been hidden. You would say, well, what is God hang, hiding from us from ages long past? We're going to talk about that next week. We're going to talk about the, the, the all nations, that they might believe, that they might obey Him. Uh, Paul is writing to Jews. And the Jews said, God has come, and He's our God, and He's not Gentiles' God. And, and Paul's writing these things to reveal who God is. But this morning, what I want us to concentrate on is that first part, now to Him who is able to establish you. 
Paul's deepest letter that he wrote or that he quoted uh, is about God, and that's what we find right here in Romans. And it's, it's his final words, his most important words that he, that he closes. You know what they tell you a lot of times? If you sing in a choir or you sing some, uh, let's say you have a, uh, you're doing a Christmas uh, musical or an Easter musical, <coughs> people tell you this, the, 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 the audience remembers the first few things you say and the last few things you say in a musical. And if you think about that, if you go, you, you usually, they, the, the, the musical starts out with something powerful and it ends with something powerful because that's what people me- remember. In the seminary, if you've never noticed, a lot of times preachers, they'll start with some point and they'll end with some point. The reason being is they, people say they, they're going to remember what you, you start with and what you end with. And in, in the middle, sometimes, you know, I'll say, now, now listen to this or write this down or hear this. And it's because just kind of natural for us to kind of drop out. We're, we're kind of in tune when it starts. And then I go to my last point, and everybody goes, huh? Oh, this is about over. And you kind of get back in tune at the end. So, so Paul is, is, it's the same here. Paul is saved up. His, his most important words, because he understood that as they, as they come to an end and, and they begin to read the closing part of this letter, that, that he has some things he wants to, to tell us. He wants us to understand about who God is. So this morning, that's true in any book. Did anybody ever just go back and read the back of the book? You read the back of the book because you want to know how everything ends. The most important part. So, so this morning, we're, we're looking at this. We're thinking about what Paul is saying. And he's, he's uh, to, uh, to, to put this at the closing of his book, at the end, the kind of end of his life. And as we thought about that, several times I've used epitaphs as just things to, to get us thinking about. And, and things that are written on someone's tombstone is something that, that people often remember us by. <coughs> and I've run across a lot of these. There's a lot of them out there that are, that are kind of humorous. Uh, there's one, and these are real epitaphs. A lady who was buried in, in Rigsburg, England, her name was Anna Wallace. And this is what it says on her tombstone. The children of Israel wanted bread, and the Lord sent them manna. Old Clark Wallace wanted a Lord, wanted a wife, but the devil sent him manna. <laughs> so uh, figure that one out. Uh, y'all at least go. <laughs> that's, that's pretty weak, but I'm going to read it again just because y'all didn't laugh. The children of Israel wanted bread, but the Lord sent them manna. Old Wallace Clark wanted a, Lord, wanted a wife, but the devil sent him manna. Uh, boo, somebody boos that. There's no Annas here this morning, I know that. So uh, uh, outside uh, uh, Rio Dosa, New Mexico, there's a tombstone that says, Here lies Johnny Yeast. Pardon me for not rising. <laughs> That's a little better, isn't it? Uh, apparently this guy died in an automobile accident. It says, here lies the body of Jonathan Blake. He stepped on the gas instead of the brake. So anyway, you can find all kinds of things that, that people remember you by, kind of a, they, they, something that brings it all to a close. So as Paul is bringing his letter to Romans to a close, he says, here's some things I want you to remember. And the first thing that Paul wants us to remember about God is God says, I am the powerful God, and I will give you stability. I'm the powerful God, and I'll give you 
stability. And, and this morning, it's interesting to find the, the, the words that people write about someone. And, and for sure, God will never have an epitaph written on uh, his tombstone because God's never going to die. But, but there are some things revealed in God's uh, autobiography about himself that he wants us to know, that he wants us to remember. And there's three important things that we find here that Paul brings to a close to this book of Romans. And, and like I said, this morning we're going to talk about the first thing. And, and what God is saying today is, I'm the powerful God, and I'll give you stability. Now look, if you would, at verse 25. He says, now to him who is able. Now I want you to understand these words this morning. We're going to talk a little bit about Greek words and what they mean. And I don't want you to get lost in all that. I don't want you to, to remember we started with God be the glory and we ended with this. But I want you to hear this middle part because when we start talking about some of these words, you may go, what in the world does that have to do with us today? It has a lot to do with what Paul is saying to us. And he says, to him who is able, that, that word actually uh, in the Greek is, is dynamis. And, and we get our word power from that. Our English word power. So our, our English word from power, we get the word dynamite. So, so when Paul is writing this, he uses the word that we would translate in English today. Our God is a powerful God. He's a dynamite God. So as, as his readers in, in Romans were reading these things, that was the image they would got. They would have that image of, of I have a, we have a powerful God, a, a, a God that's equal to dynamite, a dynamite God. And, and so as we read that today, I want you to put these things together. If you're writing down, write down this, this truth. We have a powerful dynamite God who is able. So that's the first three words. Paul says, Our God is powerful like dynamite. And then he says he is able to establish you. Now that word established, it's sterex. That's the word that would have been in Greek that that Paul would have said, you know, I have this word, dynamus, who is sterex. Okay, so we read that today. Have you ever heard of the word steroids? I'm sure you have if you ever watch sports, if you ever listen to any sports thing. And, and our English word steroid comes from that word establish. So when we're reading this again, we have a powerful God, a dynamite God, who is able to establish us, who is able to, that word steroids, give you the maximum amount of strength available. That's what steroids do. They give us the maximum amount of strength available. So put all this together, Paul is saying to to this God, He is a powerful God and He's able to give us the maximum amount of strength available. Now that's a great word today because when we just read through that and we just say our God is able to establish you, it doesn't mean a whole lot to us, does it? But when we begin to look at what those words actually mean and we begin to look at what Paul was actually saying through the direction of the Holy Spirit, God says to us, I'm a powerful God. I'm, a, I'm like a dynamite God and I'm able to give you the maximum amount of strength wherever you are. The great thing is these steroids that God says I'm able to give you, they're, they're absolutely legal. There's nothing wrong with them. There, there are no bad side effects from this. And, and God says He wants to give us strength and stability. And He's the man that can do it. 
So wherever we are, whatever we need, if we have a, a, a problem here or a problem there, God says, you know what? I'm able to give you strength and stability with the maximum amount of power because I'm a powerful, dynamic God. Amen? Isn't that a good word today, folks? Look at what the Bible says in Colossians 2, 6 and 7. It, Paul goes a little deeper into how God does this. <clears throat> so he says, So then just as you receive Christ Jesus our Lord, continue to live in Him, re- rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith, faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Now notice that word rooted. That, that means you go down deep, you, you build up something, you, you, you go down deep and you find your strength there. You're standing firm in your faith, you're, you're able to, to be overflowing in thankfulness because your roots go deep. deep. Have you ever seen that, that photograph of the lone pine tree? It's actually a, a national park now, and it's uh, somewhere out in the Rocky Mountains, and I think it's up in Canada, there's a lone pine tree. It's gnarled. It's, it's there on the, the end of a, a mountain out on a, a rocky cliff. It's been growing there for over a hundred years. And, and out on the edge of that cliff where there's no vegetation, it's just a big old rock there. Out on the edge of that cliff, it catches all the winds. It catches all the storms, all the things that blow against it. The temperatures most of the time there are below freezing. Uh, the, the conditions are, are terrible. There's no other, there's no other vegetation around. And you can actually, uh, if you're on your, uh, in your, uh, go to the computer and look, or if you've got your phone here and you just, is that what you're doing? Oh, it's your texting. <laughs> uh, nah. Uh, if you go and look that up, if you just put Lone Pine Tree, it'll bring a picture of it up. But, but thinking about where that's at and, and how does that tree live through the wind and through the pressures and all the things that, that it faces, the temperatures, the, the winds, the, the, the rains, the snow, and all of those different things, the reason it, 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 it stands is it's found some cracks in the rocks. And it's gone deep down and, and it's formed some roots in some good soil. And in that good soil, it, it finds nourishment. So in, the, in, in what it looks like, just an old rock on the side of a hill, deep down in those rocks, there's some nourishing soil. And that, that lone pine tree, it's, it's beaten by the winds, but it, it's, it's rooted itself deep within those rocks. And, and the deepness within those rocks, it's found nourishment. So, so that, that, that pine tree kind of stands as a parable for us through our, our strength and stability that God gives us. And, and Paul is saying that's what we need to do. We need to go down deep, and, and we need to anchor deep, and we need to find our nourishment there. Even though the surroundings look like, and sometimes we're on those surroundings, aren't we? We're on those, those places where there's, there's not much around us, and we're thinking, I'm out here in a dry, barren place, in a thirsty land, and, and, and God, where are you during these times? And, and God's saying, we need, to, we need to anchor there deep, because I'm a powerful God, and, and I'm a powerful God that's able to give you the maximum amount of strength if we'll anchor deep within Him. Listen to what Psalms 1-1 says. He says, those that do not consider the way of sinners... Are stand in the way of are stand in the way of sinners are sit in the seat of of the scornful. He shall be like a tree that's planted by streams of water. 
What that means, folks, is, is when the howling storms come and when, when problems come and, and when we're tested, if, if we've not set in the way of the seat of sinners or, or the seat of scornful, if we've remained faithful to God, when those things come, our, 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 through our faith, our, our, our roots are, are deep within Christ. And he, He's going to sustain us during those times. You know, we're, we're looking across here today. We're, we're a pretty well-dressed crowd today, and, and we're, we're pretty happy. I mean, there's a lot of smiles, and there's, there's, uh, there's, there's folks that's dressed up and fixed up. But you know what? An English preacher named Joseph Parker, he, he made this observation. This is what he said. On every pew in every church on every Sunday, there's at least one person who's fighting a major crisis. On every pew, in every church, on every Sunday, there's someone on that pew that's facing a major crisis. And, and what he was saying is, is you know, it, it, may not be, it may not be you, but if you've not looked down your pew and, and thought about, and all the way across here, you know, thought about, there's, there's problems in this room, folks, that we may not even know about. I mean, there's many things. That, uh, there may be some kind of financial problems or some kind of marriage problems or some kind of health problems. And it may not be your own health problem. It may be someone you know or, or someone you're praying for. Or it may be some kind of family crisis that's not maybe not in your immediate family but in your extended family. And on every pew, in every church, on every Sunday... There's someone here facing some kind of crisis. And, and as brothers and sisters in Christ, I hope, we, I hope we minister those needs. But what God is saying is, is we come together and, and I'm the God that can give you the strength. I'm the God that, that's powerful that can sustain you through those difficult times. Listen to what it says. I'm powerful enough to give you strength and stability to endure your problems. Verse 25 again, God is able... You know, there's so many other forces that's, that's unable to give us strength. And, and a lot of times people turn to those forces, but, but God is able. I want to I ask you to, to get your hymnal out, and I want you to ask you to turn to page number 24. We're not going to sing this, but I want you to remember this song. You all probably know it. Listen to what it says. The grandest theme of the ages... The grandest theme for our mortal tongues, the grandest theme that our world ever knows about is this, our God is able to deliver thee. Though by sin oppressed, go to him for rest, our God is able to deliver thee. The grandest theme in the earth, the grandest theme of the mortal strain, the grandest theme, tell the world that our God is able to deliver you. Let the tidings roll to the heart, to the sinful soul, look to God in faith and he'll make you whole for our God is able to deliver thee. You know, the next time we sing that song, I want you to think about what Paul was saying. Our God is able to deliver you. He's the God that, that sustains us. He's the, he's the all-powerful God and he's, a, he's, he's, a, he's available to give us the maximum strength to withstand. When we read that, sing that song, our God is able to deliver you, how many times do we think about what we're saying? Our God is able to deliver you. I'm going to close with this this morning. You perked up, didn't you? We're ending. Y'all remember 
boy, it, it, it's, it's awful good, again, to, to think about those Jasons in the Bible. But here's three names you all can say. They're Hebrew names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, you just read those names, and we don't think nothing about it, do we? They're just the same as all the rest of them. But you remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? You remember they were there, and Nebuchadnezzar was the king, and Nebuchadnezzar made the announcement that everyone will bow down and worship me. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were Hebrew children. They worshiped the true God. And so the trumpet sounded, and everyone bowed except three. Maybe four. Daniel may have been there too, but we just have three here. And, and uh, they all bowed. When the king said this, he liked them. And he said, oh, boys, wait a minute. I'm going to give you another chance. You must not have heard. When the trumpet sounds, you need to bow down and worship me. So the trumpet, he said, I'm going to give you another chance. And, and the trumpet sounded again, and everyone bowed. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and this took place, and, and you remember what they told the king? The king said, you know what, if you don't bow, you're going to be thrown in the, in the fiery furnace. And here's what they said, O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer you in this matter, but our God is able. He's able to deliver us from the fire. And listen to what they said. But even if he doesn't, O Nebuchadnezzar, we're still going to trust him and we're still going to praise him. Well, you know the story. But I love that. Our God is able. You know what they just said? Ours, we have a powerful God. We have a dynamite God. And he's able to give us the maximum amount of strength to deliver us from whatever you have to, to throw at us. Nebuchadnezzar, the world, whatever you can throw at us, our God is able to deliver us. And you know, it doesn't matter if things don't go exactly the way we want them to go. They said it doesn't matter. We're not going to deny Him. We're not going to deny our God. We're not going to leave Him. And, and folks, that's real faith. Have you ever noticed sometimes what we do and what I do is, is we pray about something we may pray about it a, a few months, a few weeks, a few years, and, and after we've prayed about it a, a while, we say, God, where are you at? What's wrong with you, God? Why, why haven't you answered? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, you know, it doesn't matter. Our God is able to deliver us. He's able to. But even if He doesn't, we're still going to prove Him. We're going to trust Him. And we're going to praise Him. In the midst of the storm, we sing a song that says, I'll praise you in the storm. And that's exactly what Paul is telling us. You know, God is able to deliver us. That's real faith. Folks, when we can, when we can say, God, I know you're able. I know you're a powerful, dynamite God that's able to give me the maximum amount of strength in the midst of the storm, then I'm going to trust you. And that's real faith. Real faith says, God, you're able to provide, and even if you don't, I'm still going to love you, and I'm still going to serve you. Would you bow your heads with me? For some of us today, I believe God is saying this this morning, I am able to deliver you. I'm able to give you strength. I'm able to give you stability. Whatever your situation may be, I'm able. Would you remember this morning that, that we have a powerful dynamite God. He said that about himself.
And he's able to give us the maximum amount of strength, those steroids, that regardless of our circumstance, he is able. We've been talking on Wednesday night about, about happiness and about joy. And, and, you know, happiness has to do with our emotions, but joy has to do with God in us. So whatever the circumstances, we can have joy. We may not have happiness, but we can have joy. If we're rooted deep within God, He is able to deliver us. My God is able. My God is able. Father, I pray this morning as we just come before you this morning, as we begin to to really understand who you are and what you have for us, Lord. I pray that, that next week as we look at uh, uh, gaining an understanding of, of we're not holding on to you, but, but you're holding on to us. Uh, and, and Father, through that we know that, that we have the power of God on our side and you're able to deliver us, Father. Lord, I pray this morning for those who have many needs. Uh, whether it be their own need or a, a family member, whether it be sickness, whether it be financial troubles, whether it be uh, marital problems, family problems, uh, just so many things that we deal with. Father, I pray that we know as your child, you're able to deliver us. You're able to establish us in the midst of the storm. Father, I pray today for those, if there's any here that, that don't have that, that power source that you offer to us through salvation. And as we'll see next week, Father, that mystery of salvation you've made known to us. Lord, I pray today that your spirit would move within our hearts, and, Lord, we would respond to you. I pray now, Lord, that you would just uh, be with us through our time of invitation. If your spirit's moving within us, that we'd respond to your calling. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.